0: The boy is the son of a fortune teller. Today, as he does every school day, the boy takes a shortcut through an alleyway that loops behind the store, a narrow passage between tall brick walls that are often covered with graffiti and then whitewashed and then graffitied again. Today, instead of the creatively spelled tags and bubble-lettered profanities, there is a single piece of artwork on the otherwise white bricks. It is a door. The boy wonders who painted it and what it means, if it means anything, if not the door, at least the symbols, if it is a sign and not a door, or if it is both at once. In this significant moment, if the boy turns the painted knob and opens the impossible door, everything will change. But he does not. Instead, he puts his hands in his pockets part of him decides he's being childish and that he is too old to expect real life to be like books. Another part of him decides that if he does not try, he cannot be disappointed and he can go on believing that the door could open even if it's just pretend. He stands with his hands in his pockets and considers the door for a moment more before walking away. That's a quote from The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. This is YA Book Chat and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hey guys, my name's Abby, and I co-host the Book Life Podcast with my best friend Mo. We cover fantasy, sci-fi, and historical fiction books, and talk book-related topics like our favorite character types, world building, and books versus their movies. New episodes drop every Monday on your favorite platform. Now, back to your show! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. I am very excited to be bringing you this special bonus episode today. Today, I am going to be covering The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. And this is not a young adult book, which is why it is a bonus episode. But it's such a great book that I wanted to go ahead and cover it. So today, I have a special guest. I have guest Megan O'Russell here with me. You guys know She has been on the podcast before. Welcome, Megan. It's great to have you here again. Thank you so much for having me back.
1: I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk about The
0: Starless Sea. <laughs> this is a very good book to talk about. I am interested. I can't wait to see where our conversation goes with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have someone to talk about this book with because I don't, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, me either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, (laughs) before we start that though, um, why don't you just tell everybody about your podcast and remind them too about your books as well.
1: Sure. So my podcast is a book of a dream. It's a little bit of a behind the scenes peek at what it's like to be a YA author and also some fun fangirling when I have a new favorite book or, you know, when I need to choose which fantasy heroine I would need to save me if I was kidnapped by vampires. You know, those really <laughs> important questions you need to answer in life. So that's a book and a dream and you can find it wherever podcasts are. I am a YA author too. So you can go onto my website, Megan O. Russell, dot com. I have 20... Books out, yes, twenty books out, twenty one nice. at the end of uh, January, twenty twenty one, across six different series. So there are things <laughs> from like dystopian, paranormal to the more epic romance or epic fantasy side of things. So lots of lots of fun adventures packed in there.
0: Yes, and if you haven't listened to it before, uh, last season Megan came on and I interviewed her. and We discussed her. Uh, the book the first book in her Enna of El Brea series, which is fantastic. So you guys should listen to that if you have not. Um, one last thing before we get going here, I just also want to stop and take a moment to say thank you to my patrons. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. You help me keep my podcast going. So thank you very much. All right. So as usual you guys, the first 10 to 15 minutes are going to be spoiler free and then I'll let you know when we're ready to dive into spoilers. We are going to do a quick plot overview first, Um, but honestly, you guys, I really don't think that I could (laughs) (laughs) accurately describe this book in my own words because I don't (laughs) even know half of what I read. So (laughs) I'm just going to read from the book jacket because, um, yeah, I would not even know how to describe this book to you (laughs) otherwise. (laughs) All right. So let's see. Far beneath the surface of the earth, upon the shores of the starless sea, there is a labyrinth collection of tunnels and rooms filled with stories. The entryways that lead to the sanctuary are often hidden, sometimes on forest floors, sometimes in private homes, sometimes in plain sight. But those who seek will find. Their doors have been waiting for them. Zachary Ezra Rollins is searching for his door, though he doesn't know it. He follows a silent siren song, an inexplicable certainty that he is meant for another place. When he discovers a mysterious book in the stacks of his campus library, he begins to read and is entranced by tales of lovelorn prisoners, lost cities, and nameless acolytes. Suddenly, a turn of the page brings Zachary to a story from his own childhood, impossibly written in this book that is older than he is. A bee, a key, and a sword emblazoned on the book lead Zachary to two people who will change the course of his life. Mirabel, a fierce pink-haired painter, and Dorian, a handsome barefoot man with shifting alliances. These strangers guide Zachary through masquerade party dances and whispered backroom stories to the headquarters of a secret society Where doorknobs hang from ribbons, and finally through a door conjured from paint to the place he has always yearned for. Amid twisting tunnels filled with books, gilded ballrooms, and wine dark shores, Zachary falls into an intoxicating world soaked in romance and mystery. But a battle is raging over the fate of this place, and though there are those who would willingly sacrifice everything to protect it, there are just as many intent on its destruction. As Zachary, Mirabelle, and Dorian venture deeper into the space and its histories and myths, searching for answers and one another, a timeless love story unspools, casting a spell of pirates, painters, lovers, liars, and ships that sail upon the starless sea. Now from reading that, you would think like, this would be pretty nice and understandable. But my friends, this is not an easy book to understand by any means. No, it's not. So yeah, Megan and I are going to talk for a little bit, spoiler free here first about what we thought about this book. Um, So I do have to say, I was very intrigued initially by the cover of this book. So I started seeing people post about it on Instagram and like raving about it and how much they loved Aaron Morgenstern and they were also talking about The Night Circus, which I'm currently in the middle of and almost almost through that one actually. So, but I read The Starless Sea first and I was like, "All right, this is going to be good. People have been talking about this, how good it is, how good the night circus is, right? I'm I'm reading this book. I started it and I was like, all right, it's got a good start. This is cool. And I'm getting into it. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> I was very confused a lot by this book. What about you, Megan?
1: I, and I think I know what the, what happens in the story. Like, I think I understand the plot, but I wasn't, honestly, I finished the book and the first thing I did was <laughs> Google mm-hmm. like reviews and synopsises. Cause I was like, did I, did I miss something? Yeah. Like, is there, it's almost like an inception, like the movie inception. It's almost like that yes. kind of experience where you get to the end and you're like, I don't know if I missed something or if it's brilliant art or if I'm not supposed to understand it. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of those things where I just, am not sure. And I, I started off the book and I was like, okay, okay. Like I, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then probably about a fifth of the way in, I was like, I have no, I don't know what's happening anymore. Yep. <laughs> I have no idea. And it took me to like the the last 200 pages to be like, oh, okay. I got it. And then I got to the end and I was like, no, I don't, nope. I don't got it. I never had it. I never had it at all.
0: <laughs> Agreed. I felt the exact same way. And, and it's, and here, okay. So if you have, if you're listening to this and you have not read it yet, here's the thing. So Oh man. I feel like this is one of those books that like a high school English teacher would love because they would pick it apart to pieces and be able to just like accurately describe all of this. I almost felt like I needed my high school English teacher to sit down with me and explain it. And I also felt like, I needed a whiteboard where I could like put everything up and be like, okay, and draw a lot. Like, you know how like when you watch those, any like TV crime drama, right? And they've got the big whiteboard mm-hmm, in their mm-hmm. war room and they've got the pictures up and they've got notes. Of, like I really felt like I needed one of those because it's not just one story. It's no. a story within a story <laughs> within a story and there's different characters who are all like actually multiple people in different stories and somehow they all connect. And then there's the main character, Zachary, who, <laughs> by the way, why, why every time, every chapter, why does she start it with his full name? As if we don't know who he is. I was like, what, why?
1: But my favorite part is that <laughs> she starts it with his full name
0: as if it's like, the first time.
1: It's like a sequel and we have to hear it for the first time. So we know the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but then that's not even what they call him anyway. No, no. So what, (laughs) what is there like some message of like the duality of like who he is versus who other people like, is there meaning or is it just supposed to be like a cute thing? I don't know.
0: I don't don't know know either. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be Yeah, it was just confusing because I was trying to connect all the pieces. Like when I finally realized, oh, wait, he's reading this book, but this person is actually that person who he then meets for real. I was like, okay, so now I have to figure out if I can, who is who, (laughs) I think I figured out a couple of them, but definitely not everybody. Um, And I did the same thing you did when I finished reading it. I totally went on Google, like even actually preparing to do this episode when I was getting it, like everything ready to write my notes. Like I sat down to write my notes and I was like, no, I need help. So I totally Googled it. I was like, okay, let me, I, cause I had to make sure that I got it correctly and I didn't of course, but. I still don't even know. Because even the girl, this one website that I was reading, this one blog, she's even like, I'm pretty sure this is it, but I'm not positive.
1: (laughs) I was on a Reddit thread that got pretty nasty to each other because they were like, no, this is what this symbol means. And other people, like, oh my gosh. I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but with the dice, the symbolism Mm -hmm. with the dice, like there was like 20 angry comments of people like yelling at each other about what the different symbols on the (laughs) dice might mean and why it's important. I was like, oh, oh, like I, this is Inception, man. Who knows Mm -hmm. if it's the real world or not? I don't like, unless we pin the (laughs) author down and like force her to tell us, I don't think we're ever going to know.
0: Seriously. Like that was, I, I when I was reading it, as I was reading it, and then I finished it, one of my first thoughts was, "I need to sit down with Erin Morgenstern and have her explain this to me because <laughs> she's the only one who is really going to be able to tell me what the heck I just read." <laughs> like, yeah, she. I will say, like, with reading this, and then, like I said, I'm in the middle of um, the night circus right now. I. Something that she does is she, more than any other author that I think that I've read, she has these very intricate, like minute details about Mm -hmm. things. Just She just, the whole world that she builds, every little, it's like every little thing has these, every aspect just has these minute, very intricate details to it. And so it's just, it's a lot sometimes i felt like it was almost too much like honestly with the night circus i i've almost given up <laughs> at a couple points because it was really slow for me at the beginning and i was like there's a lot of detail things that i don't feel like i actually need to know or want to know or don't care about but i kept going like i'm going to finish it cuz um, i think what's kept me going is that i'm listening to it on audiobook and so that helps because I've got somebody telling me the story versus like, if I have just had picked up the book, I would have closed it by now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I honestly, so I've had four people give me copies of The Night Circus, and they've all told me that it's going to be my new favorite book. So naturally, I haven't been able to make myself read past the first 20 pages because it's just so much pressure to love it. So that's one of the reasons I was really excited to read The Starless Sea, because I was like, okay, well, this will be like an intro to the author, (laughs) and then I'll be like, okay, now five years later, I can finally read The Night Circus because I have four (laughs) copies, and I'm a horrible person who's never read any of them. (laughs) And I finished this, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna need some time. I'm gonna need yes. some time. I'm gonna need a break yes. before I well, can the, dive in."
0: The good thing is, is that the night circus is nothing like this one. Like, it's not a world within a world within a world. Like, it's it's a circus. It she but the but <laughs> it has a very big lead up to the circus, And then the other thing that she does, which is hard to do listening on an audio book, it would be easier if I had a paper physical book. She bounces back and forth between years. So like one oh. chapter would be like 1888. And the next chapter will be like 1905. And then maybe the chapter after that, we're at like 1887. So it's like, little funky in that way but it's not it's not confusing like this one it's not confusing I will say that for me it's just that the night circus has I think a lot it just seems slow to me for a long time Yeah, (laughs) but it's not confusing like the starless sea I was very confused (laughs) very confused
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I I spent a lot of time being like am I Am I overthinking this? Am I underthinking this? Yes. Like what? Which am I going in either direction? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's happening in my life right now.
0: Yeah. I I wasn't sure either. And cuz every time I and every time I thought I think I get it now, then I would turn the page and be like, nope. I don't because I don't know what you just what just happened. <laughs> but it's I do I mean, I liked it overall. I was just confused a lot. But There's, you know, multiple different relationships, all the different characters, but I like the characters to me. They were very um, intriguing. Um, They, they pulled me in. I really liked Zachary and Dorian a lot and Mirabelle. Mirabelle was very fascinating and interesting as well. And the, the keeper. I was trying, like, is that what he was called? The Keeper. Yeah. I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> um, I liked him too. He was very interesting as well. So it did have some good characters who kept my attention that I really liked and I felt involved with. I just didn't always feel like I knew what was going on in their story, which was frustrating. I was like, I really want to enjoy this. I'm really trying to understand this because it's, it's an interesting concept but I was just, in the end, like, maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand it. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, loved, oh. I love, like, learning little snippets of, like, the mythology behind worlds and, like, the, the belief system and what people think is important. And so, like, I love, like, myths and fables and origin stories that get, like, woven into the larger narrative of mm-hmm. books. Like, I think that's so cool. And so I really, I really liked that. Aspect that there were like all these little, you know, this is why, you know, the the acolytes end up doing what they do, and this is yeah. how this happens. And so I I really enjoyed all of that, but it did get to the point where I was like, I don't know what is myth, what is storybook, what is mm-hmm. like pat like what is history. Like
0: I don't, I don't know anymore. Yeah. It all like melded together because I was like, well. Well, I'll mention that more when we get in spoilers. Um, I did like, though, how like it takes place. I mean, Zachary's in in Dorian and Allegra. Even they they're in like you know the real world, but then they go down into the world of the Starless Sea, and then we have the three books. And then at some point, I did get I was like, wait a minute. Are we all in the real world? Or are they all in the storybook world? <laughs> it and that I mean, because they all kind of converged together. And I was like, hmm, now I'm lost in the, now I'm lost in the starless sea myself <laughs> somewhere.
1: And but maybe I, that was like her point. Maybe that's what she wanted for us to not know where the narrative ends and where the narrative begins. Maybe that yeah. was like her artistic
0: goal. That could be. I, I like,
1: felt like I was in a modern art museum where I was like, yes. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening, but it's awfully pretty.
0: Yeah. It, that looks so cool. I don't understand what it means, but it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's how this book was. I like her um, description of like the, the space, the starless, well, not the starless sea, but the The sanctuary, the literary sanctuary, we'll call it that. She said, the place is sprawling yet intimate. It is difficult to measure its breadth. Halls fold into rooms or galleries and stairs twist downward or upward to alcoves or arcades. Everywhere there are doors leading to new spaces and new stories and new secrets to be discovered. And everywhere there are books that those were like my favorite words right there. Cause I'm just envisioning this like, underground space where there's all these little like fantastic reading nooks and just books and books and books. And I was like, well, that is heaven for yeah. me. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. yeah. Her descriptions are, are really beautiful. I love, I love the flow of her language, but there were times where I was like, this is so beautiful. Am I going to need it for later? Mm-hmm. Is this is this teacup important? Yes. Description's beautiful. So is it beautiful because I'm going to remember it or just because it's a pretty cup? But her <laughs> her, descripti- her use of descriptive language is really, it's it's different than what most authors do. So it sort of mm-hmm. catches your eye more because it, it is out of the ordinary. So that, that was very cool.
0: Yes. It's like that in the night circus as well. Very, very descriptive and detailed, which... For some points, I was kind of like, eh. But when it comes to the actual circus itself and she's describing, like, the different circus tents and what happens, it's fantastic. Like, I, it just paints such a good, vivid image in your head, which happened for me with this as well. So, in many places. <laughs> but while there was a vivid image, I still might not have understood <laughs> what it was telling me. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. um, Well, let's dive in further. So if you have not yet read The Starless Sea and you do not want anything to be spoiled for you, then this is the part where you hit that stop button and you come back and listen after you have read the book. But if you have already read it or if you just don't care about spoilers, then please listen to the rest of the episode. All right. So I didn't know if this would be like spoiler-ish or not. So I figured I would wait and talk about it now. This is actually just kind of like a silly thing for me. This book really had a couple of like nostalgic moments for me. Because when I first started reading it, and we have Zachary, and he's reading the book, the first book and he reads about himself in it, I totally had this flash of, it's like the never-ending story. Where yeah, Bastion, it totally is. <laughs> I'm like, Bastion is beating, and then he gets pulled into the book. I was like, is this Bastion in disguise? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where I thought
1: it was going to go.
0: Yeah. It it, it didn't. It didn't. No.
1: But that's like, I was like, okay, yeah, never-ending story. And then I was like waiting for like Falcor, but –
0: Mm, I know, Falcor.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of cats though. So it's like- There are. There are some really cool cats. So it's not, as, it's not quite as cool as Falcor, but at least there are like no. cool
0: animals. Yeah. Yeah, I totally thought the same thing. I was like, oh, he's reading about himself in the book. Totally never ending story. But then, yeah, it went in a completely different direction. <laughs> but the, the other thing for me that kind of, was kind of funny and nostalgic is that, okay, first of all, her last name is Morgan Stern. So every time I pick up the book and I look at it, uh, the first thing I think is about The Princess Bride, because it's while The Princess Bride is actually written by William Goldman, he spins the tale and says it was written by a man named S. Morgenstern. So every time I look at this, I think of The Princess Bride. Well, then... She has a reference to the Princess Bride in here because when Zachary goes to the, the ball in New York City, he borrows the, um, the mask from, from his friend. What's her name? Kat. And she says, here, you can use this mask. I wore it when I dressed up as the man in black from the Princess Bride. I just about dropped the book <laughs> at that moment. I was like, stop it. Now she's in my head.
1: I mean, I loved – because I'm not a huge video game person. Mm -hmm. My husband is, like, a moderate video game person. So there were enough, like, gamer things in it where I was, like, oh, that's cool. Like, I've never (laughs) played the game, but I've heard the meme, like, that it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. So, like, all those things (sighs) and, like, the the end and, like, all the, like, different messages of, like, how they tell you you're dead in video games. I thought it was, like – very cool
0: yeah I liked the I like the video game inclusion too I love that Zachary and Kat had that whole club like the where they went and they talked about the video games and the one woman the one like chick was just sitting there knitting like the whole time I was like okay to each their own she's at a gamers club knitting (laughs) I mean whatever brings you joy I guess yeah whatever works right all right so one of the things, so like you talked about, you said before how um, you started reading it, you were confused, and then you get to the middle, and you're like, okay, I think I got this, and then you get to the end, and you're confused again. Yeah, the ending, the and you know how you're like, oh, I just went straight to the ending, <laughs> like skip everything else, let's just go straight to the end because the bees, the bees, well, like in the house, and the honey, like I was just like, what is going on right now, and then they can they can talk but Mm -hmm. he's
1: not a real person but he is a real person
0: yeah and the bees are the kitchen making the food also but then the bees cleaned his clothes too but if
1: they only have honey that's weird but they can magically transport people so if they can magically transport Mm -hmm. people I feel like there were an extra like 300 pages that we didn't need if the bees can just like write people
0: seriously and then the starless sea is made of their honey it's the honey yeah yeah
1: <laughs> I was like so then they withdrew their own honey mm-hmm. but then the story couldn't end because there was no honey but they make the honey so they really right. got themselves into that trouble
0: Right. And they were in, okay, this here's the other thing. They were in the dollhouse. Like at the end when he go, Zachary finds them, they're in the dollhouse, which the dollhouse was in like, wasn't it in like one of the rooms?
1: It was in, in the, the sanctuary room. In the burned room. Yeah.
0: That so Simon
1: was like, burned. But yes. how did Allegra get his hand? I don't know. <laughs> And why? Why is this hand in a jar being passed around? And does he need right? the hand for the story to end?
0: Mm, like,
1: yeah. What? Yeah. So I, I don't know.
0: Because, yeah, like
1: he definitely burned down the doll room, and they're at a doll house, so it should be the doll room.
0: Yeah, but the bees. There in no a hand. dollhouse, right? And there's no hand. And then the bees tell Zachary that he is the key to lock the story away when it is finished. So he has to finish the story he's the but end how of the does story he
1: fin- how like I don't understand how he fi- how he finishes it like what when what? he dies but then but he does' not but he does. So he, right. he had to end with his death, but it didn't start out as his story. So like, no. why did this random kid a hundred years later have to go there and die in order to finish? I, right? don't, I don't know. There must be some depth and meaning there, but I don't know what it is.
0: See, that's what I was confused about too, because I was like, all right, so we have these, these three books, Sweet Sorrows, Fortunes and Fables, and then Simon and Eleanor's book. And they have all those stories in them, but somehow Zachary has to be the conclusion to their, the stories. In, and my, I just-
1: <laughs> in my head, I was like, okay, so we have like fate and time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Cool. Like I get that one. I get that one. We have like a moon and an innkeeper. Cool. I get that one. I get yep. that one. So then in my head, I was trying to figure out which of the fables was Zach and Dorian so that they were like an uh, right. embodiment from another life for another story so they had to like complete the love story so that all of the chapters could be closed. Yep. But I don't think that that's what happened because I was kind Mm-mm. of expecting like it, like the, the orphan girl and the owl king like I was right. kind of expecting them to like end up being that pairing somehow. How? But
0: they weren't.
1: They weren't.
0: Because the Owl King, see, that was the whole other thing. I was like, what, yeah, is, what is going on? Okay, I found it somewhere. The Owl King, because when Zachary goes to Simon, he asks Simon about the Owl King. And I, he said that the owls, not because there's other owls, not just the yes. king. The owls are the ones who propel the story forward. And that the owl king is is part of that, but he's like lots of different things. I'm trying to look for where here it is, page 373. Okay. I marked it because I was like, I don't understand. This, so I just have to read it. Okay. So Zachary said. Who's the Owl King now, Zachary asks. The Owl King is not a who, not always, not in this story. You confuse what was with what is. The Owl King is a phenomenon, the future crashing into the present like a wave, its wings beat in the spaces between choices and before decisions, heralding change, change of the long-awaited sort, the change foretold by prophecies and warned by omens written in the stars. And then it's funny because Zachary... (laughs) because Zachary's confused, as he says, who are the stars? It is a question Zachary has thought before, but not yet asked aloud. Though he remains confused as to whether the Owl King is a person or a bird or a type of weather. <laughs> 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 to which I say, I you, Zachary, we are all with you, Zachary. <laughs> <laughs> because while I read the description of the what Simon said the Owl King is, I'm so confused. <laughs>
1: I was, like, completely convinced that Allegra was the Owl King. And then right? I was like, oh, okay, apparently not. And so I was like, okay, well, Dorian's the Owl King. And then Zachary, because the the girl in the story with the Owl King, like, goes. Mm-hmm. And then is like, no, no, I'm too young. And then goes back. So I was like, okay, well, that makes sense with him, like, not going through the first door. And then going back and deciding he never wants to leave again. I was like, okay, I thought, no, that wasn't it either.
0: <laughs> it took me a little while, like. Okay, so we've got all the stories in Sweet Sorrows, because we've got the pirate and the girl, Mm -hmm. um, the dollhouse, which we talked about, the girl lost in the woods, and the man lost in time. So I did figure out, and I was right about this one, (laughs) that Eleanor was the girl lost in the woods, Mm -hmm. Simon is the man lost in time. Yes. And then we've got fortunes and fables, and the star merchant- Oh, wait, but in Sweet Sorrows, the pirate and the girl, the keeper is the pirate and Mirabelle is the girl, which I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right because – And then – Yeah. Okay,
0: it's like the keeper and Mirabelle are like – they're multiple people and there's somebody in each of these stories because he's time – Yeah, he's the pirate and he's time. And Mirabelle is the pirate's girl and she's fate. But she also paints the doors. She's the one who paints the doors. And, and wait, it gets even better. (laughs) At least this is according to the chick whose article I was reading on Google. She said that Mirabelle is also the story sculptor. The one who ends up putting the heart in the box. I mean if she's fate but is it but it's fate but it's, it's, her, heart. it's her heart so I don't know that that one makes sense to me
1: so she can't put her own heart
0: you know, that in that one the box right that one didn't make sense to me but Mirabel being fate obviously yeah, and then the yeah. girl cuz yeah. her and the pirate and the girl keeper and Mirabelle. but then like we have the star merchant how it, and then it talks about time fell in love with fate The key collector. Okay, the key collector. Who was the key collector? I. Was it one of the other characters? Because I didn't figure that one out. I don't
1: know. I mean, but then it was the keys were in the harbor. So it must have been someone. Maybe we didn't meet them. Because the only one I could think of is that it would be Allegra, but that's like the opposite of what Allegra did. So that. Right couldn't be it
0: yeah i don't know
1: unless it was another one of like the keeper and fate where it was just another iteration of them but then he should have been Mm. in the harbor already because right exists in the harbor whenever there's a harbor it's just so crazy (laughs) i don't know Honestly, like some of my favorite parts, like towards the end, Kat's diary entries were getting me through because I was like, right? okay, I'm at another cat diary entry. I'm going to yes. understand everything that's going on.
0: Yes, that was, that was very helpful. When Kat started to have her own chapters, I was like, great, good, because she's just like mm, writing everything down, plain and simple. Here's what I found. Here's what I think is going on. Awesome. And then you get to the end. where Kat decides she's going to go through the door. And I'm like, and so it starts all over again.
1: (laughs) But then doesn't, doesn't the keeper have to go back? So they did all of this Mm -hmm. just to go back. But if they're just going to go back, then why was Allegra so fussed about the bees making a lot of honey and flooding everything? If it was just going to be like a renovation?
0: Yeah, I don't know. See, Allegra kind of confused me. I never really understood her motive. Me either. Like I was trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, she's she's mad for some reason. She wants to prevent people from entering the this the sanctuary, the area. The area, the Starless Sea. And, you know, she started the collector's club to kind of help prevent that. But yeah, and then I mean they had her story in there about when she was down there and her time down there, and then she comes out of it, but I never really fully understood what her real motivation was for keeping people out of there.
1: I mean, it would have made sense if it was still like there were hundreds of people living down there and it was their home, but if it's like there's a couple cats, a keeper, an acolyte, and Maribel, like at that point, wouldn't you just want it to start over again? Or is there something that like we didn't, See that is bad about it because it kind of reads at the end like it's it's a good thing for everybody except maybe like Simon and Eleanor and Zach and Dorian because I'm not sure if they die or not I'm not sure if they're alive but I don't really think that Allegra would care if they were dead or alive
0: well she dies (laughs) yeah I was like oh okay I mean easy. yeah yeah. But then I she kind of,
1: ruined it by blowing it up. So if she wanted to destroy it, why was she trying to not let anybody yeah, destroy it?
0: I don't know. Simon, okay. So I loved Zachary and Dorian's story. And I loved um, Simon and Eleanor too. But Simon and Eleanor was, it was kind of hard because it was like it, cause, oh, cause they intersected in time, right? They were in like two different time zones. Like she leaves, they meet, she exits, comes back in and she he's like, it's only been a couple minutes. No, it's been eight years. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, I put that note under the door eight years ago. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. But I loved, I did love their, I loved their love story. I did enjoy yeah. their love story a lot. And then because of them, this is like the one thing that I really understood and was proud of myself because I figured it out. <laughs> Their, their relationship and because their relationship happened like in different time periods, kind of where time intersected. Like I felt like I was in, um, back to the future or something crazy, but like they, then when they had a baby, they created fate, they had Mirabelle. So I don't know. I felt like that was the one thing that I figured out that I was like, okay, great. But then (laughs) as I read through it more and Zachary's becoming involved and he meets Simon and then Dorian meets Eleanor. I was like, but I was I was like, okay, so are they back on the same timeline or are Dorian and Zachary now on different timelines? Can we get Simon and Eleanor back together somehow if they're in the same, like, yeah.
1: I, I maybe, maybe they're all dead. So it doesn't matter what time it is anymore, but then they still have a hand in a jar <laughs> to worry about anyway. I but I mean, my, with the Simon and Eleanor, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then we get to like the Keating foundation, which I guess yes. was founded by his mother. And then I'm like, was your mother plotting against you? Cause it kind of reads like, because at least my understanding, which could be very wrong, was that the Keating Foundation were trying to figure out how to build the room where time intersected specifically mm-hmm. so that Maribel could be conceived out of time so that she would be immortal, so that she could stay with the Keeper for longer, so that they don't do the whole pirate thing again. Right. But then, does that mean that Simon's mom set him up for that? Like, was he kind of, like, sacrificed Mm. to the weird time intersection room, or did she just, like, not get that it would be him? Mm.
0: I don't know. I would like to, as a mother myself, (laughs) I would like to hope it's the second option. She just didn't know. But as a voracious reader who has read worse things, I almost (laughs) kind of think it could be that she did set him up, because why not? I mean, that's how things go sometimes in these worlds. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah.
1: And then, yeah. They, then they found the books. I I like the whole Keating Foundation. I'm like, I understand like that chunk of it, but then I'm like, there's a, there's like a good hundred years where I'm like, there's no way those books survived in that rundown college. Right? Like there's no way they could be donated mm-hmm. to a library after that. So someone else must have Gotten them and preserved them before that. I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the um, okay. yeah. So then Dorian. So Zachary dies, right? But then Dorian uses Faith's heart to bring him back to life. So sweet, but then they start over. So is he? Are they starting a new story? Are they going back in the real world and then Cat? Ends up in the – now Cat's in the story, and now he's – is he going to go look for Cat now because now she has disappeared? Oh.
1: I I, I mean, the way – so when their tide is rising below, I think either they're still in the story or they have to be dead because the part where, like, they're in the boat and the honey is going up, the top floors are already flooded. Right. So then either they're at like the harbor resetting itself and then cat's going to walk in and be like, Hey guys, why does this dude with you have no hand or they're going to drown in honey? Like, I don't know how they would get back topside if everything above them is flooded and everything below them is flooding. I feel like they'd be trapped in the middle. Yes. Or maybe I'm taking this I kinda- way too literally and the levels don't actually matter.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I kind of wonder if it just kind of resets. Like, Zachary died. He was, according to the bees, <laughs> the key to ending that story. So he, by his, him dying, he finished that story. And then Dorian brings him back to life. Well, because then the Keeper and Mirabelle come out and, like, restart. Yeah. And they're, like, in the real world. Before, just before Kat goes into the door. So I kind of feel like it was a restart. Maybe. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I could be like way overthinking this. Who's to say? I have no idea. But maybe it wasn't Zach dying that was needed to finish the story. Maybe they had to figure out what to do with this heart they'd left in a box for a really really long time. And then they were like, Mm. oh, hey yo we can use this heart the heart's no longer in the box so they've like tied up the last of the symbols and so it was him getting mm. the heart not him dying and so now that the heart's been used it can the the honey can go back up and they can be at the highest harbor
0: that make, makes sense I mean
1: that seems like mm. more keyish to me than like you're gonna waltz with some bees for a couple of minutes oh, gosh. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, the bee, I just I don't know. I was yeah. just so thrown off by the bees at the end. I was just like, I don't understand what's happening right now.
1: Part of me, like as an author who has had some editors get like a little snatchy before. <laughs> part of me is like, was she in edits and they were like, you wrote this thing about bees? Where are the bees? And she was like, fine. <laughs> You want some bees? Here's your, your bees. bees. <laughs> They're going to waltz around with some bees. Are you happy? It's all honey. Good luck. And Seriously. like did it just get put in cuz they were like you can't have the symbol if it doesn't come up in a big way. And so she was like, boom, now you can't cut it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe. How did it? Yeah. The bees are like Zachary says, why am I here? The bees, you are here because you are dead. So now you're here in between places. Also because you are the key. She said she would send us a key when it was time to end. A key to lock the story away when it was finished. And here you are. And he's got the key in his chest. Because whoever it was put that there.
1: He told a story the story to the snow lady in the oh, woods. Oh, yes.
0: That's right. The lady in the woods.
1: Yeah, the, was a the weird other. snow mirror bell, which was very strange. I'm not sure, like I liked right before that when he was like having the, the fever dream where he thought he was with Dorian at his mom's house and Dorian was so sweet about yes. like that Zach potentially having like you know, a, a mental health break. He was so nice about it. It
0: was hilarious. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was like, "Oh, what a sweet partner to be!" Like, it's okay, babe. We've been here before. We're gonna get mm-hmm. through this.
0: I'll and help he, you. Like,
1: runs off into the store, but I was like, "You should have stayed. You're probably not gonna get a better deal. You should have just gone with it." Yeah. <laughs> you got wine inside and a really nice partner. Just go. For <laughs> it.
0: Just stay, live in that world a little bit longer where you're not going to die. You know, it's fine. So, all right. So I'm looking at the end here. because after, after Dorian puts the heart into Zachary, fate's heart, and he wakes up, he says, okay. So this is where we leave them in a long awaited kiss upon the starless sea, tangled in salvation and desire and obsolete cartography. But this is not where their story ends. Their story is only just beginning. And no story ever truly ends as long as it is told. So they still have some kind of story left. But it's not, I mean, they're still below that, I think.
1: Maybe they're like, maybe they've taken over as the keeper in Fate. Maybe because he has Fate's heart, like, mm. and she is now immortal. Then they, like, get to live the multiple... Angelical ball lives I don't know
0: I don't know
1: because then because they can't get topside it's all flooded with honey like we right. saw it. they had to evacuate the cats
0: Mirabelle and the keeper and at least one of the cats get topside though
1: well that was like the cuz the the acolyte who I thought had no tongue that's right. but apparently she had a tongue had like handled the cat evacuation which I was very <laughs> glad about.
0: Hey, that's right. We saved the cats. That's the <laughs> that's important part like, of here. The cats that's were where I you on the line.
1: <laughs> if you drown those cats in honey, I was going to be like okay I'm not I'm not finishing the last 70 pages of this
0: book. <laughs> oh man. But
1: I yeah. I mean I I kind of the only thing I can kind of think maybe back to the Owl King. So Zachary rolls the dice and mm-hmm. he gets all hearts. And then he ends up with Fate's heart. And
0: then oh, Dorian,
1: yes. they like proxy roll him and he gets all crowns. So then is he the Owl King? So then, are they like taking over those roles in the
0: in like the in the next story? You know what? That kind of does make sense because the owls and the owl king are the ones who propel the story forward, according to Simon, and Dorian kind of really keeps the story going in a way because he um, because he's looking for Zachary. Then he goes on the Starless Sea with Eleanor, but all the time, like he's trying to save Zachary and, or find him. And then he does, but he kills him (laughs) accidentally, which I was like, this is a horrid moment right about here. Um, But then he gets fate's heart and he gives him fate's heart and now a new story can begin. And so he kind of does, you know, propel the story forward in a way.
1: Yeah. So I maybe. mean, honestly, if Zach were on his own, he'd just be like walking around in the books, eating muffins. Pretty true. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like Dorian is almost like more of the protagonist. And so yeah. I could, I could, with the description that Simon gives, I could see him as the Owl King.
0: I could too. That actually makes sense. But I think then that
1: someone has to cut off his head. Edward, for oh, the night. yeah.
0: Part. <laughs> I forgot about that part. The owl king's head always has to get cut off. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I but no the idea. but the thing is, because like at the very end, after the keeper and Mirabelle and the one cat, <laughs> the cat's her topside, and they're outside of the building where Cat goes inside to open the door. He tells Mirabelle that they don't have to do it again. They don't have to be there again. And she says, I know, but here we are. I don't know. But then it says, okay, here's here's the other reason I think maybe um, it's like a new beginning and a new story is starting, because it says at the very end, inside the brick building, a door opens into a new harbor upon the Starless Sea. So when Cat opens the door, it says there's a new harbor. So it's created this new So, Zachary's death and all the honey flooding and everything maybe created, and then him being reawoken by Dorian with fate's heart must have restarted. It says, like, there's a new harbor. So, maybe it recreated. So, maybe they could get out and get topside somehow.
1: Well, maybe is Dorian the new (laughs) keeper?
0: Mm. And then
1: maybe Zachary. Zachary's his love. Is the new fate? Yeah. So then that might. So then maybe they're like doomed to take over because he now has fate's heart. So they have to like keep reliving stories until someone takes it over. Until somebody from them. else takes
0: it over. Maybe Cat's gonna take it over now that she's opened the door and has stepped down there. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. That's actually good. I mean, that would be a good. That would make it so much more understandable <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on if they had so many to levels. Replace
1: themselves.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because Mirabelle and the Keeper always restart. Like every time a story ends, they restart. But what's funny is she. They said she always comes back different each time, except that this time she didn't. This time, at the end, she's still the same. She still looks the same. So, yeah. So maybe Dorian. and Because there was that painting, too. Can you yeah. imagine? Okay. Can you imagine? Be, I was trying to put... I'm reading this. And I'm trying to put myself in Zachary's shoes, thinking, like, I'm in this strange place. I have no idea what's going on. I walk into this room, and there on the wall is a picture of me with this man who I haven't known very long, you know, but maybe have feelings for at that point. I don't think it was quite as certain. And so and you're like, huh. <laughs> okay. I mean the painting was like an indication that they were they were gonna be together and I I mean that would make the painting make more sense to me. Like if they were gonna be like the new keeper in fate, kind of.
1: <laughs> Did Ale- Allegra painted that painting, didn't she?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So then Allegra knew when she recruited Dorian.
0: Yeah. Oh, who he was, which by the way, that's another thing. It took me a little bit to click that Dorian was the boy in the story at the beginning with the green scarf, the lady. Oh, with the green I didn't scarf. know
1: until he flat out said it. And I was like, "All oh, right, There was yeah. a, kid with a scarf.
0: That's right. That was him. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. because It's like everybody in the story is somebody else in the story <laughs> as yeah. well. So like I kept on reading like the innkeeper and the moon and I was like, okay, is he somebody else too, or is this just, he's just another random person in the story and it's just connected because he needed to figure out, to make that promise to time and fate so that they could stay together anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Why wouldn't Olaika just kill Dorian when she found him? If she was so determined for this not to happen, why did she like hang out with this dude for years when she knew exactly who he was?
0: A very good question i found I felt like as confused as I was with trying to figure out different things, I think that she confused me the most, like I just didn't fully understand her storyline and her purpose because she was trying to like she would get rid of the doors, yeah, and she was trying to make sure nobody else would go down there any anymore, but then again, like we said earlier, I wasn't really fully understanding why. She had had such a bad time down there. I wish I could remember. I probably marked it, but.
1: Well, because she was having, wasn't it that she was having like all kinds of visions and she saw like some horrible fate for it. So she had to leave or something.
0: Something like that. Something happened to her when she was down there that she didn't like that gave her a bad taste in her mouth and made her not want to go down there anymore and not want other people to go down there anymore.
1: But she helped raise Maribel, and then she gave Maribel her first set of paints.
0: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Again, it would be great if um, I could just have a sit down down with Erin Morgenstern and be like, listen, I understand what's happening in the night circus, but I'm going to need you to sit down and kind of word by word go through this starless sea with me (laughs) because I'm lost completely.
1: and I feel like the more I pick it apart, the more I'm like, wait, what, what? Right? Like now I, I mean, I loved the description of the honeycomb pattern on the bee made ballroom floor, but I have no idea why we were there.
0: Yeah. Me either. I was like, what's going on with this ballroom scene? <laughs> I don't know, weird but too. like the doll,
1: like him walking through the city of dolls was super cool.
0: Yes. But I kept
1: waiting for there to be a hand there because apparently that's where his hand got cut off. But I don't.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't there. That whole hand, that whole hand thing was.
1: Maybe Allegra cut his hand off in the harbor for burning down the doll village. Maybe like he, he knocked over a candle, and she was like, "Wapa, well, I'm going to steal your hand." Like I don't know, because he never he never went out into the city once she was up there so he she had to bring his hand with her when she left oh she brought his hand with her she must have and then kept it on a in a jar on the shelf in the collector's club i'm I'm like really obsessed with this hand because it's like what why are we tracking this hand in a jar all over the book
0: i don't know it's kind of crazy all right let's see I found the chapter where it talks about her leaving. She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here she's talking about, it's talking about the the painting of um, Zachary and Dorian. She doesn't, but it says she doesn't know who they are. She does not know who the figures in the painting are, though she has seen them many times in fractured images and half-formed visions. There is a part of her that hopes they do not exist and another part that knows they do or they will. They are there in the story of the place for now. So she doesn't, when she paints it, she doesn't know who they are. It's not till later that so maybe she does. She, it's
1: been so long she doesn't recognize that it is, the Dorian is Dorian.
0: It could be. Hmm.
1: Because, I mean, if I were her and I recognized someone who is like, if I killed them, then I wouldn't have to steal doors anymore. I, I'd consider it, especially if you already have to right? do the wet work for you. Like, Yeah. I, I mean, I also had never considered shoving a needle through someone's back into their heart. No. <laughs> Me either. I didn't know that like such a small puncture could actually, like, I, I need to research this because can such a small puncture actually kill you? I guess it would make sense. I
0: don't know. I mean, I guess if anything goes into your heart, it's yeah. going to affect you. I don't know. I,
1: just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it'd be very efficient, but
0: so all this says at least in this spot and I I may have missed something at an earlier point I'm sure I missed a lot in this book but the spot that I found it said when it talks about Allegra leaving she just says if she can prevent anyone from entering she can prevent the things that she has seen from happening the object within the jar in her bag An object she saw and painted before she understood what it was, and long before it became an object within a jar, will be insurance. Without doors, she can prevent the return of the book and everything that would follow. So, yeah, I don't know.
1: (laughs) But then she's the one who actually, so did she not realize that by blowing up a door from the inside, she would start the chain reaction? That
0: She might not have.
1: So maybe she, she like ended up creating her worst nightmare by setting off the explosion.
0: That's my guess. Because I don't think that she knew completely.
1: Maybe she didn't understand that it would be a restart, not a full destruction.
0: Maybe she may not like fully understand how things work down there and within the story. She, so.
1: I don't know because she was an acolyte. Like
0: that's true. Together, she should know. Acolyte.
1: <laughs> I don't,
0: I don't know.
1: I don't know, man. She just,
0: she was probably one of the most confusing parts for me. Not that, not that anything was completely clear (laughs) in this book, but I mean, I just felt like she was definitely one of the, um, one of the parts that I definitely, I had a harder time with understanding, um, in another funny, nostalgic moment note, because I just saw this as I was flipping through the book looking for that. Um, I loved this, this quick little moment where Zachary and Dorian walk through the wardrobe, and he's like, I don't think we're going to find Narnia in here.
1: <laughs> I I love that it actually worked too. Yes. I was like, okay, that's true. You do have to explore. And then I was like, oh, oh, we're going there. Yes. Just like, go all out. Let's like have a literal ball like I and I loved those were some of my favorite parts aside from like the like the mythology building of it Mm -hmm. I loved some of the descriptions of the crowded scenes that weren't there so that like all her descriptions in that ballroom sequence with like people drip dipping their hands in golds that you could see everywhere that they touched each other and people like painting on the walls and on each other yeah I thought that was so cool um the crypt with like the writing people's stories on the spirals around them. I thought that part was really cool. Mm-hmm. It like those were my my favorite parts were like when we were involved, when it was just like Zachary hanging out with things that were not really there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I liked that too. Simon, um, when Zachary finds Simon and he's in like Simon's little lair, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. And he's got like all the books and stuff hanging from the ceiling. Like I love the description of where he lives and how he's trying to like connect it all and make it all kind of work together. And he's got the different elements of the story and it all just goes together somehow. But like Simon understands, like he knows it's just kind of funny because Zachary seems clueless in that moment and who can blame him. But Simon's like, explaining like he just understands everything and how everything functions and he knows exactly what it is, even if it's confusing to everybody else.
1: That's kind of cool. I hadn't thought of the parallel before, but he like understands how the story works. And Mm -hmm. then Eleanor, not Eleanor, is the (laughs) only one who has an actual map. So it's like yes. between the two of them, because they've been lost in time for so long, they kind of have the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So then maybe they are going to be the new keeper in fate because they got separated.
0: Which would be great if they could find each other again. Yeah. Which I really, I really thought, like, I was thinking as I'm reading through this and Dorian is with Eleanor and then Zachary was with Simon, I was like, they got to come together at some point, right? Like they're going to come together. And then Simon and Eleanor will come together. Like I really thought that that was going to happen, but then it didn't. And I was like, okay, so that that's not going to work, <laughs> but maybe I don't in know. Another
1: lifetime when the story like cycles through again,
0: starts again. Maybe they'll You'll find have each other hand, again.
1: They'll like figure it yes. out. Yes.
0: His hand will be back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was definitely. I mean, it's a great book. I just felt confused <laughs> by a lot of it. Most of it. Yeah. One of these days, I am. I am gonna like email her and be like, "Listen,
1: honestly, she could probably make bank selling Comic Con tickets to just like a talk oh with gosh. her, like her and like a PowerPoint, being like, and this means click, and like." Mm-hmm. You could probably make a lot of money
0: off of that. I would totally pay to go to that. I mean, yeah. sign me up, like, BookCon, Comic Con, whatever. She I will her go. You have
1: own Udemy course where you can, like, learn it all online. Like- yes.
0: Like, I don't even care how long it would take. I would literally sit in a room with her for hours if it was hours and if she could explain this whole thing to me, you know? Like, but you know, it would stink if she were, like, I can't explain it. You just have to, it's just, you know, it's like an abstract piece of art. It's just beauty. <laughs> I would be like, that is not fair. <laughs> Don't do that to me. I have to know. And then I would probably call up my high school English teacher and say, okay, read this and you explain it to me. Cause she was like the master of explaining and picking books apart. I mean, I cannot think about, the book, The Lord of the Flies without thinking about all the symbolism and every little detail that that woman picked out and told me that it meant. So I'm like, I could never read that book like just to read it again because it would just be too much in my head.
1: (laughs) Honestly, like I'm probably going to go back on another deep dive to Reddit and like figure out what some more people think because there's, I mean, that is Mm -hmm. one of the really cool things about the book is that there are there is such an open way to interpret it that you can start some really fun arguments online because yeah. how are they going to prove you're wrong?
0: Right? They, they can't.
1: can't. <laughs> unless she wants to like, unless the author wants to post on the thread and be like, nope, that's not what I meant. Until then, like it's free game.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyone
1: you want can be the Owl King. It's fine. You pick a character, yep. choose your own adventure, which, you know, is kind of cat's thing.
0: Yes. I love, I love that. Like, and I love that. I did like that. They brought his mom, Zachary's mom into, and that cat had yeah. that connection with Zachary's mom when she was looking for him and trying to figure out. And it's funny because time is so like irrelevant. <laughs> we don't know. It's just crazy in this story. Cause, and then we get to cat talking to Zachary's mom and you realize it's been like more than a year and you're like, Oh, wow wow, it's been a really long time that he's been down there. Like, does he even realize how long he has been down there? I don't think that he does.
1: I think, I mean, it reads like it's about two weeks. So I'd assume that that's what he thought because he and Dorian have kind of missed some anniversaries at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've been together a long time, honey. (laughs) I know. It's, yeah, it's crazy.
1: You think it's only been a couple days and it's like, oh, it's been two years since you murdered me. Right.
0: It's like, it's like Narnia, you know, like you go into the wardrobe and you can spend years and years in Narnia, but you come back out and it's only been like two minutes, except that in this case, it's the opposite. You go into the wardrobe and it feels like two minutes, but you come out and it's actually been over two years.
1: (laughs) Which is way more problematic
0: yes agreed great.
1: like because that has adult <laughs> consequences of and she had to pack up all your stuff from college and i hope you weren't planning on graduating because that's over right like you ditched your master's program there's there's that degree gone hope you can pay off your student loans buddy you're done <laughs> yeah it's i like i enjoyed cat's section so much just because it was it was so clear and i really enjoyed her mm-hmm as a character. And I, I enjoyed like the, not subtle, not like it was hidden, but the fact that the, the LGBT relationships were just like in there, no big deal. Just, just living their lives. Yep. I loved that. That was, everything was there. I really appreciate when books do that and do that well, but it's just like, "Hmm, there you go.
0: (laughs) And I loved, I loved Zachary and Dorian's relationship. I, it was just, it developed so naturally and organically and they were just like thrown together. And then before you know it, one of them's rescuing the other and then they're going down into this, you know, underground area. And then they're like all this stuff happens and they're just falling in love. And it, it was just, it was just a great story. I just really loved how it all came together and how they drew close together. And then how Dorian saves him with fate's heart. I was like, Cause I didn't, I really didn't think, I wasn't sure that was going to happen. Like I was like, all right, Zachary's dead. So now what? (laughs) I kind of forgot about the heart. And then, and then when it said that he, Doreen, had the box, I was like, oh, all right. So maybe he's coming back. And then he did. So that was good. I, I was happy to see that um, he was able to bring him back. And then he, and and then Zachary, Doreen, were still together after that. That was fun.
1: Yeah, that's good if you could forgive somebody for murdering you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: But He's I mean a big person. That's a lot of forgiveness, but he didn't mean to. They were like he didn't weird mean phantasms. To.
0: It was it was an it was an honest mistake. I mean, he had been seeing fake Zachary's everywhere. And really when you think about it, Zachary saw fake Dorian in the snowland in the house there. So he can't really fault him for
1: it. That's true.
0: Because <laughs> he thought that Dorian was real at first.
1: And the moon did tell Dorian to trust nothing. Or wait, was yep. that the innkeeper? One of um, them, either the moon or the innkeeper. Someone told him to trust nothing. They were so. Yeah.
0: So that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, I hope that everybody who's listening <laughs> is not now thoroughly confused. Although, if you've read this book, you were following along just fine, I am <laughs> sure. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So. <laughs> good discussion. <laughs> Great chat on this fun and confusing, but really detailed and intricate and fantastic story. Like, yeah, it really you really hit the nail on the head there with your description of how it's like being in an art museum and looking at a piece of art, <laughs> not being sure how to interpret it.
1: <laughs> yep. It's very, very good art mm-hmm. things happening.
0: I definitely had to, after I read this, had to um, read something like super easy and simple to like cleanse my mind (laughs) because I was like, yeah, I I just need like, give me something stupid right now to read, like something easy that's going to just be like, okay, great, simple little romance story or something that's got good, bad, we all end up happy in the end, like something easy to understand. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read like a, a 200 page something, like yep. short and sweet. After this one, just to like, huh, just Super reset quick. my brain.
0: Yes, and I again will say that I'm glad that um, the night circus is not as confusing as this book is. So that's that's better. Yeah. All right. I will, I will give it a try once
1: um. I've had a rest.
0: You should. It was, it's good. It was definitely slow for me at the beginning. It's taken me a while to get into it, but um, now I'm kind of, actually, now I'm like in the meat of it and it's a bit more interesting to me, so. Awesome. I don't know. You have to let me know what you think if you read it, when when you read it.
1: (laughs) I will. I have four copies, so I'm going to have to do it eventually. Yes. (laughs) I am morally obligated. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your podcast and where they can buy your books?
1: Sure. Uh, a book and a dream is wherever you find your podcast. It's on all the platforms, and so are all of my books. You can find my eBooks on your favorite eBook retailers, and uh, paperbacks are available from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or you can just ask your favorite local bookstore to order. There are also audiobooks for my audiobook listeners. They are available on all retailers, not just Amazon and Audible. So just type in Megan O'Russell. That's O apostrophe R U S S E L L on your favorite
0: platform and i'll pop up very nice and i will be sure to put links to um megan's podcast and her instagram and her books and her um, website and everything in the show notes for today so you guys can have easy access to that as well and check it out and again if you have not listened to my previous episode where megan was my guest to discuss her books then by all means go back and find that episode and listen to it all right thank you so much um, for being here today Megan and helping me hash through this book
1: <laughs> thank you it was it was nice to have someone to talk about it with because yes you can't really go through this one alone you need somebody no, to help you
0: definitely uh, yeah it's it really you need a helper for this one <laughs> so that was great <laughs> hopefully we have helped each other out a little bit um and not completely confused everybody but that's all right if we did it's a confusing book, <laughs> but good. Yeah, it's good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, just confusing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for everybody for listening and being here, and we will chat again soon. Today's episode featured the book The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. Be sure to follow YA Book Chat on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe so you get your episodes as soon as they are available. YA Book Chat now has Patreon. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link. And don't forget, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, to leave a five-star rating and a positive review. It really helps a lot. Thank you to all my Patreons for your continued support. YA Book Chat was created by, is hosted and edited by me, Leah Stuhler.